Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cancelo, oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a goal and scored a beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans! De Bruyne! And it is Wood. Martinelli, gorgeous! Still going up! Oh, he's done it again! Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 16, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. We are tiptoeing our way to halfway into the Premier League season. But, you know, in terms of pure fixtures, obviously only 16 games in. We're close to halfway. But in terms of the Premier League, we're going to be halfway through the season with the way it's been designed with the World Cup coming uh, these are the last fixtures for this first half of the season, and then we'll sort of be back on the 26th of December um, with a whole host of fixtures there. But um, for this week, I am joined by executive producer, and this is by request of my guest last week, uh, Solicitor Khaled Patel. He was kicking off, uh, and Guy, welcome to the show, but we've got an issue do complaints no i don't like it <laughs> a formal complaint against us um or should i say against the executive producer I'm, I'm gonna lay it squarely on on your shoulders because Khaled was not happy with the team that we chose for a tad predictables team that we're going to be rooting for this season now as listeners know we pick a team each season that we're going to be rooting for it started off with crystal palace my memory serves me and we were one season too soon on palace because it was the year before Vieira came in i think yes um, they were still awful <laughs> <laughs> so that was a tough season then we had norwich last season which was very very tough uh this season you know the votes came in the backroom staff voted everyone involved voted and anston villa came out on top now Khaled had two complaints that he sent over to the suits upstairs. One was that he wasn't involved in the decision-making. Um, I mean, but he's new to the podcast. I, I don't know if he qualifies for a vote. So that was one issue. The second issue was the team that we chose. He wasn't happy with Aston Villa. He's not a fan of that being the team that we 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 sort of root for on this podcast but i thought it would be a great time to bring you back onto the show for this and also for what we're going to discuss in the halfway point but let's start with this guy what do we do about this aston villa thing i, I think you know it's, it's the decision's made in my opinion i think aston villa needed our help and we were there to give it <laughs> they had no manager they appointed unai emery which is funny um but they needed our help. They didn't. The fans weren't enjoying uh, Stephen Gerrard. 
I don't think any no. neutral was watching it, except maybe people like Khaled who don't like Aston Villa. But they needed our help. Um, and they got it, because we, on our first te- weekend of supporting them, they beat Man United for the first time in 27 years or whatever it was. So that is all. That is the power of the tad, tad predictable podcast right there to do. But uh, yeah, Khalid. I, who cares? <laughs> I mean, it, who, was, who else was it going to be? Leeds? Villa are more nah. likeable than Leeds? Surely. I don't mind Leeds, but I think Leeds fans will understand that. Southampton need more than us to help them. Uh, why, well, not, why did I say that? Liverpool are playing them. Good Lord, I've cursed <laughs> Liverpool in the intro. Um, Spoiler alert for yeah. the predictions later on. Yeah, we did the Forest crack last year with Norwich. We needed someone who could improve. We were sick of just having a corpse team in Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace and just bless Norwich. Just bless them. So we, need, we needed something. <laughs> we needed something. Which I think is fair. And look, um, I think Khaled has had at least a week to cool down. I haven't spoken to him since last week. He's sort of been... Well, I spoke to him from a fantasy football in terms of American football standpoint. Because last week, I I crushed him in fantasy football. I was gracious enough not to mention it on the podcast itself. But I'm bringing it up now. Um, I I destroyed him. And I'm currently going to make the playoffs. He's not going to make the playoffs at time of recording. Uh, but I've not really spoken to him. He's been very, very quiet, and I think it's to do with this. So it, it will be good to hear if he has a reply to your response um, at some point in time. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll give the listeners a, a, a chance to, to get that response. Go follow at a tab predictable on Twitter. I'm sure they'll announce something there. But, Guy, it's the last weekend before we hit that awkward World Cup break, uh, especially from a Premier League standpoint, but also from a moral standpoint. But um, what what do we do with this weekend? Because there's champ- there's Carabao Cup games happening midweek. Uh, there's some happening tonight at time of recording. There's some tomorrow night. Then there's this game and there's a break. So I think a lot of teams either what happens in this game and where they're standing in the league could shape the way they tackle the transfer window in January, or it could just be, you know what, um, well, we're not in a good place. Let's try and sack the manager and, and at least get someone in to have a mini preseason. There's so many consequences that could happen from certain results that happened this weekend and obviously last weekend. But um, let's go through the fixtures and then when we get to the halfway point i want to speak about something where at the beginning of the season yourself and myself had a podcast and we gave some fearless game week six predictions uh for the 12 november weekend of games um these were some of our fearless predictions bold predictions of things or scenarios that we thought were going to happen by game week 16 so at the halfway point of this podcast we are going to go through those and see how many of those we got right but I think in terms of who would be top of the log and that kind of thing, or at least chasing or involved in being top of the log, Man City would have been probably the first team that anyone put onto uh, any short list of title contenders. And and they're chasing Arsenal. They're hunting them down. Arsenal keep sort of slipping away every time City get close. But they entertain Brentford in the early kickoff. It's on BT Sport uh, for those in the UK. How are you feeling about this game? How are you feeling about Brentford as well, having to tackle Man City at the Etihad, considering Brentford had that 2-2 draw against Nottingham Forest last week? Yeah, it's a strange one with Brentford. Obviously, they've got the Ivan Tony thing hanging over them at the min as well, which is probably not fun, but I think he's back available to play now, um, which is obviously good. I think... I think Ivan Tony, and by extension, Wisser and Embuemo, and I'm I'm not seeing loads of Lewis Potter or Keen Lewis Potter, I should say. Um, but I think they have the weapons to hurt Man City because I think that's that's probably been the difference between City this season and the last couple of seasons. I think they've been a a lot more vulnerable. Maybe it's because Kyle Walker's obviously missed most of the season. But I think it kind of started last year as well when Walker's powers were maybe dwindling a smidge. 
Um, so yeah, I think Man City are a tad more vulnerable to teams a bit lower down the league. Um, but they have a big Norwegian free cup front. Um, <laughs> and KDB, who I know, I know Haaland scored a million goals, whatever. But I just, if you take De Bruyne out of that team, I think they'd drop off massively. Like, I know in the past, like, Silver's played the same position and just took, went, like, supernova, um, etc. But I think De Bruyne's just playing, probably for the last two seasons as well, he's just playing at such a consistent level. And, yeah, I still think he's their best player. I think he's their most important player, and I think he's been their best player this season. I think he's just the difference maker. But, yeah, I, I think... I think this might be quite a bit of a mad scoreline. I don't think Man City will ever be in real threat of losing, but I think it could be high scoring, so I might go for something like a 4-2 to Man City. 4-2 to Man City. And I think this is when, obviously, I bring in that that chat I mentioned earlier of the Carabao Cup because Man City can heavily rotate their squad and will be fine for this game. And and your prediction for this one was? 4-2 4-2 Man City. 4-2 Man City. I don't know if Brentford necessarily have that luxury. Um, mm-hmm. you, you obviously don't have the squad that Man City have. And then if you look at the Carabao Cup, for me, I think it's it's a cup that, obviously, it's it's a short run of games, you know, sort of five, six games, and, and you're into a final. They've got Gillingham, um at home, which helps. But I don't know how much he's going to rotate that squad ahead of the Man City game. And if anything, if I had to pick between the two, I would say let's go and secure the win against Gillingham. And then whatever happens with City happens because no one was expecting us to win anyway. But at least let's make sure that we're three to the next round of the Carabao Cup. The only interesting thing is to do, I didn't realise Man City were playing Chelsea. Um which is tom- which is tomorrow, so they get an extra uh, Brentford get an extra day's rest. I'm not sure what league Gillingham are in, but obviously it's easier than playing Chelsea. So maybe because City have had a, a few injury, a lot of injuries this season. To be fair, and I think their squad is still the strongest in the league. But I think in the current state, you may be seeing some teenagers and stuff like that. But I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd, I'd still rotate slightly. You're gonna have to bring in. £170 million pound worth of wingers in <laughs> Jack Greenleaf should really admire it, or £160 million, pound, I should say. Uh, 10 mil makes the difference there. Um, but yeah, I, maybe you rest a Briner and Haaland in this and then work it around there and you can play... Well, Gundogan's very important as well, but maybe you just play some young lads like uh, Cole Palmer. I'm not sure exactly what position he plays, but he seems to be a midfielder or a winger. Um, that young lad who played right back, I think he scored against Dortmund or Copenhagen the other day. So maybe rotate a bit, but don't like go wild and just play loads of teenagers, because albeit Chelsea have struggled a bit recently, or have looked off in certain games even when they've played, uh, won. Um, yeah, I think, they will, I think they will have to rotate, because Man City will have a lot of people going to the World Cup as well. Yeah, and obviously Gillingham in League Two um, and struggling in League Two at the moment. I think they're in twentieth, if I'm not mistaken. So, do they focus on the Carabao Cup or say let's save our players for the weekend? That will be interesting to see. For me, I, I think City want to sort of end this half of the season with some sort of statement. I think a three 0 win at home, um, just to once again put pressure on Arsenal. Um, although we'll see who Arsenal are playing a bit later on and, and you'll, you'll get why. I don't know if it will be too much pressure on Arsenal. But let's move on to Bournemouth versus Everton. Now, these are two sides who, especially from a Bournemouth side of things, they had that really good run of games and then all of a sudden you look up and they've lost four games in a row. Um, whereas if you listen to a lot of pundits at the moment, they're still talking about Bournemouth like they're the team that was that went on that run post uh, Scotty Parker or Scotty Two Coats, as he's affectionately known on EPL Index. But Bournemouth kind of have regressed to what they were before Scott Parker came in. I know some of those losses have been very harsh on them, um, 
you know, the 1-0 loss to Southampton, for example, is one that I think of where they definitely had a chance to go and win it. And then you look at the Spurs result where they were 2-0 up and then go and lose that game. So they've had opportunities to win, but it's not looking so hot for them. And then equally for, for Everton, I mean, they've got that one win, that emphatic 3-0 win against Crystal Palace at Goodison Park a couple of weeks back. But they've not been looking too hot of late either. Last week, um, probably disappointing 2-0 loss to Leicester City. These are two teams that both probably need a win just to settle things, in my opinion. You, you don't want to sort of go into this break on such a sour note um, and let fans sort of stew on that. I'm, I'm speaking especially from an Everton perspective. You don't want fans to stew over another loss here for you know the best part of, of a month. For for Bournemouth, I think it's just get as many points as we can on the board. I, I, I don't think that they're, they're anywhere close to being safe this season. Mm-hmm. I still think they're, they're in trouble despite their good run of form that happened a couple of weeks back. But for me in this game, um, usually with Everton games, I say I, I tend to look at where they're playing. Are they playing at home or away? Because those are two different teams um, that I've seen this season. <laughs> um, but for Bournemouth, I think the spirit that they've shown recently, despite them losing games, could be enough to edge this one. I've got a 2-1 Bournemouth win, which does leave a very sour taste for Everton heading into this break. And and it might have something uh, that could be added on when we get to that middle segment, uh, really? discussing some of our uh, fearless game week 16 predictions. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> um it, it's a straight, it almost screams of a draw, this one, just because of the lack of quality from both teams. Albeit, <clears throat> although, I mean, Bournemouth scored, I know it's Leeds, and Leeds concede goals apart from against Liverpool, obviously. Um, but they've sc- they scored three goals against Leeds, two goals against Tottenham, uh, two goals against Fulham. <laughs> I had to skip two games there because they didn't bloody score. <laughs> um, but they're still scoring goals. It just seems that the, the defence has kind of imploded. Um so it'll, it'll be an interesting test because obviously Everton's whole thing is keeping the keeping the goals up because they don't really do goals. Obviously, I think Calvert Lewin's picked up another injury as well. Let's have a quick look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like he has. Um, so obviously, Mope will get you five to eight goals a season. But outside of that, no one else in that team scores. Like, well, even Mope doesn't score goals. Um, so yeah, it, that it's the issues there. Whereas Bournemouth, the defense is clearly the weakness. Like um, Sensi, who they bought in the summer, he doesn't look Premier League ready. Lloyd Kelly's been injured. I think he's their captain as well. Uh, I think Metham, I think he's picked up five yellow cards, but I don't know if the League Cup game will take that. So I'm not sure. Um, but either way, they're, they're missing people like Lloyd Kelly. I think. I think Bournemouth can stay up, and I've obviously shown it when Gary O'Neill first took over, but I think they just need some defensive reinforcements in um, in the January. Um, but, yeah, this one kind of screams a draw to me. I, I'll, I'll say... Uh, I want to say nil-nil. Yeah, I'll say nil-nil. Why not? Oof. Not even a goal to send the no. fans home happy for either side. No, it's going to Probably be twelve sums up men both of their ball. seasons. To yeah. be fair, yeah, it does. Um, it does. Yeah, and speaking of summing up bad seasons, Liverpool Football Club—they entertain Southampton. Both clubs have not had a good showing this season. I mean, you've cursed Liverpool in this game already yeah. earlier in the podcast, so I'm expecting the the the, the manager manager bounce. If they can get um, Nathan Jones over the line, that is Southampton speaking. Obviously, Hazen Hootel has been let go. Um, R.I.P. to the waistcoat. Um, no, 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 no R.I.P. That's the reason he got <laughs> sacked. He didn't wear it enough. That's why he got sacked. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think he should have worn it a lot more. Um yeah, we'll we'll see if Southampton are able to appoint um as we were saying, Jones's his name has been thrown around. Um we'll see what they do from that perspective. And then in terms of Liverpool side of things, they can I'm assuming expect a response from Southampton. Um either it's a new manager coming in and the players want to impress that new manager, 
or it's a manager hasn't been appointed yet and the players are sort of playing for their jobs effectively. If you think, well, manager comes in, he's got a whole month to figure out whether he wants you or not and then could sell you. So maybe some of those players might be playing for their future at the club and, and need to put in a performance. Um, and I'm assuming as a Liverpool fan, that's the last thing you want to hear considering how poor Liverpool have been this season. I mean, they get the win against Spurs, but to me, it wasn't very convincing. Um, I thought they could have easily lost that game. They don't have that firepower um, off the bench at the moment due to injuries. Um, And then they don't have the legs in midfield due to their own negligence. So how do you see this game going? Is it a game where Southampton can pull off a surprise? And also, is it a must win for Liverpool? Because from my perspective, they, with all the injuries they had, with all the mistakes they made during the summer, they just needed to hold on to the, the coattails of top four long enough to get to sort of the January window and try and address things. Um, I, I don't think we'll go into the whole could the club be sold thing because I, I think we, we'll be here all night to be fair. But just focusing on on this game, how do you see Liverpool handling a Southampton side who either might not have a manager or might just have a new manager? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, I didn't know anything about Southampton when Hasenhutl was there. They were either (laughs) the best team in the world, or well, the best team in the league, or they were the worst team possibly in the country. It was just so random. So adding... I have Nathan Jones, who I know nothing about other than he failed at Stoke, but everyone seems to fail at Stoke in a post-Tony Pulis world. Um, yeah, it is just very strange. Um, it does concern me in some regards. I mean, you mentioned the midfield there. Hopefully most of them, if not all of them, get a rest in the midweek game against Derby. Um, except James Milner, of course, because he has to play. Um, of course. Yeah, we all know that as Liverpool fans. Um but Southampton, I mean, the attacking quality is not really there. I am jinxing it as I go along, but we're beyond jinxing stuff now with Liverpool. They're just dreadful. <laughs> um, yeah, my concern is Lavia in midfield. He's obviously just come back. I, I didn't see... Um, I, I No, I had the game on in the background. Um, and Southampton did play well. Obviously, they're just bad defensively and couldn't score goals, which is the story of Southampton. Um, since Mane was there, basically, and Font, etc., Wanyama and the lads. Um, So, yeah, it's just a very... It's a strange team, but I feel like if our midfield's not on it, and it's only been on it a handful of times this season, um, and most of them were in the Champions League as well, to be fair, Lavia, who is 18, this will... I know it's a three o'clock kickoff, but... It's coming from Man City's academy. Um, big summer signing for Southampton. He knows Liverpool are looking for midfielders. This could be a statement game from someone like that. Like he could just try and overtake that game because I know Liverpool, the ownership, all that crap. Maybe they'll eventually look at a higher market. But these these are the markets Liverpool shopping cleverly, and Lavia may take over and then become a target, um, etc. But I will back Liverpool, but the midfield does concern me, even though I'm not I don't think Ward Prowse is I think he's good. I just don't think he's good as he's hyped up by the English media. Um Who else they got? I don't even know how <laughs> midfielders have got. Um they've got Diallo as well, who seems fine. Um I'll back Liverpool because Salah's back on it. Nunes is always fun. Um, literally either the worst player or the best player in the league um, yeah I think it may be let's go 3-1 I think Southampton will get a goal but I think Liverpool can hurt that defence albeit I do like Bella Kutchup I think's really done really well since he's joined um, Salasu I think's good but mm, bit of an error in him I do like some Southampton players I think they're just they've got the balance of youth and experience really really wrong so I think that's where yeah. the main struggles are. And I think it did kind of get a bit toxic with Ralph uh, towards the end, even though I do like Ralph and his waistcoat. Oh, waistcoat goes in the Hall of Fame of it the does. Premier League, in my opinion. But yeah, for me, I think Liverpool's, even though they have a lack of firepower off the bench, the firepower that starts for them 
should be enough to see them through this game. I've gone 2-0, uh, a professional 2-0 win for Liverpool, and they sort of lick their wounds and, and try and resolve whatever issues that they have um, throughout December and hopefully January, I guess, for them. Let's move on to Nottingham Forest and the aforementioned Crystal Palace. Now, for me, this is an interesting game because there have been times where Palace, you've mentioned the inconsistencies of Southampton. I felt Similar inconsistencies from Palace at times this season. Albeit, you look at the league table and they're in tenth place. They've had performances that have deserved results and they haven't gotten them. And then vice versa, they've gotten results out of performances that were a lot worse uh, than some of the ones that didn't get the results. But a two-one win against uh, West Ham means it's back-to-back wins for them, and it's three wins out of their last four games. I mentioned that. 3-0 Everton loss um, a couple of weeks back. But they look like they're clicking into gear, probably at the worst time to be clicking into gear, really. Just when we're going on to a break, they seem to have found something. Uh, the entertained bottom of the log, Nottingham Forest. Oh, uh, pa- Palace should win this game, right? I-, I know I know the game is you know, away from home from a Palace perspective, but... Considering the form that they're entering this game in, considering how well Zaha, Olisi, um, Eze are playing at the moment, I don't see how that trio and the triangles and, and, and the linker play that they formed is going to be fun for the Nottingham Forest backline, which I think is really, really slow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 3-1 to Palace. I'm going to give them a very bullish win here. I'm going 3-1 to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I was thinking something similar, to be honest. I think just that everything seems to have clicked. I think we, I think it was when we did a, Ted, a Tad's Top 5 or Caged Animals or something like that, and I, I think we mentioned Palace in, in whichever section it was, and it was just like, I had Z, I think Palace were like 17th at the time, but they like had two games in hand or something like that. And it's, I never once ever thought Palace were in any bother whatsoever. Like... And it's kind of proven to be the case. I mean, you look at the everyone down there, Forest concerned, Wolves, no no striker, Southampton, <laughs> Toddlers, Bournemouth, we all guess this, Everton, worst manager, West Ham, weird. Um, but yeah, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Palace, I always just thought, look at the quality. Elisa, class. Um, future Young Player of the Year winner, obviously, for you in the, in the next section. <laughs> um, Eze, I really like. I'd take him at Liverpool in a heartbeat. And Elisa, to be fair. Zaha, there has been links to Liverpool um, on a free. Again, ownership for Liverpool, yada, yada, yada. But Czech Decore, is it Czech Decore? Is that his first name? Um, Decore in midfield, he looks fantastic. I think him and Onana kind of with a big, young I know they're not French, but from league on imports, and he's just kind of. I think I saw his debut, and he was like all over, not all all over the place in a good sense. I should say, um, he was all over the place. I think he tired and then um got subbed eventually, but he seems to have just kind of kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, grew into a midfield without a real partner. Because sometimes it's him as a Elisa. Over time, Schlupp's in midfield, who's played about 800 positions in his time <laughs> in Crystal Palace. So for a young lad to come from France into uh, the apparent toughest league in the in the world and settle in like that and basically hold the midfield together, I, I think he's, he must be up there for signing of the season, I'll be honest. Um, but no, I, I'd, I'd agree. I was going to go 3-1, but I'll go 2-0 Crystal Palace to be a bit different because defensively strong, the attack seems to be clicking, and people like Steve Cook, Worrell, McKenna, etc., against people like Mateta, Zaha, and and, and the young attacking mm-hmm. lads, mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see it. I mean, I, the only issue is like too much Jordan Ayew. I don't rate Edward too much. I want to see a bit more release on the right wing and a bit more Mateta because that boy is fuck. He is a fuck <laughs> boy. He's scary. He's scary. <laughs> <laughs> love it uh yeah look uh two nils a solid score line guy let's move on to the next game before we go on to sort of our mid mid show segment um tottenham hotspur versus leeds now this is one of the 700 games that are at five o- at 
three o'clock yes um in the uk and none of those three o'clock games get shown in the uk but of course if you linked up with our presenting sponsors liberty shield uh they present this podcast in association with epl index then you it's not really an issue for you what time these games are and who's showing them because liberty shield is a vpn provider um you can check out their services at libertyshield.com you can save with the coupon code epl25 it gets you 25 percent off of your router or software vpn as i said it's a virtual private network which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic protects your online data, hides your IP address, and shields your online data from third, part, third parties. Uh, you can change your location and avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. And I believe it is the number one rated VPN on Trustpilot, which is pretty cool. Uh, guys, also go and check out the EPL Index shop. Uh, you can find that on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. I had to pay the bills, Guy, uh, before before we move on to Tottenham versus Leeds. Now, you had a close-hand look at Spurs last weekend when they played Liverpool. Now they entertain a very frisky Leeds side who you also had um, the pleasure or, I guess, misfortune no, of seeing close-hand two weeks ago. No, we didn't. Have, having seen this, these, both these sides recently, how do you think this game shapes up? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Leeds are Leeds are Leeds are uh, Southampton two point Um, it just depends week to week what you get. Who knows? Who bloody knows? They've got goals in them, but I'm not convinced any of them are goal scorers. Like, would you put? Never mind your mortgage. Would you put a fiver on Rodrigo scoring? No, you wouldn't. Um, Bamford, he's out for four weeks, comes back for two weeks, and he keeps doing that pattern forever and ever. Um, uh, Sinister has looked good. I think I think he's still injured. Uh, oh, he got injured, didn't he? Uh, I like Harrison. I like I like their team. I like their team. I like Jesse Marsh. He's just a S house. Um, I try to limit swearing on some of these pods, but guys. everyone knows um, knows the word there. Um, I like Jesse Marsh. It's just just absolute. He's annoying, but in a good way. Um, whereas Spurs, I, the fourth, that's where they were meant to... Well, I thought they were going to be third, but top four is where they're meant to be. Got a three-point gap on the teams below them, or the team below them. I know it was a game in hand, but... Hey, they've had injuries. Their front line's been decimated. Son's kind of been rubbish this season, to be fair. But we saw Kuvlasevsky comes back. It all links together. He's that... I think he... Oh, God, is he their most important player? Or is it still Kane? Well, we've mm. seen Kane without Kulisevsky. He's still scored goals. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. I think that's the way Kulisevsky just links it all together. I think at this minute, and certainly this season, Kulisevsky's more important than Son. I'd say that. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's better than Son. I'd say he's more important than Son. Um, but you, you saw it, the Liverpool second half. They pushed people up. Kulisevsky came on, and I think Mora came on. Mora's meh. Probably the most meh player in history. Um, except the Ajax game, obviously. Um, yeah, if Kulisevsky's fit enough to start, confident in, in Tottenham doing it, but if it's Perisic playing off Kane, I think they'll still be able to score goals because it's Leeds and they let in goals, but it won't be fun. It won't be fluid. But if Kulisevsky's fit and starting, I think that'll just be money for uh, for Spurs. Um, I think it'll be high scoring again. Because without... Is Romero still injured? That's probably... He's probably the other one in conversation for most important player. He is still injured. Uh, yeah. Or he seems to be for at least the League Cup game. Um, yeah. That defence is weak. Leeds push people forward. I'm, I'm going to go... I'll go 3-2 Spurs. I think I think Spurs may get back on track with Kulisevsky there. But I think it both weak defensively, I think. And and I'm glad you've picked a high score because both teams have shown that they can put up the, the, the goals. They can sort of empty the clip in terms of goal scoring and they just decide not to stop goals going in. So this could be an exciting game. Certainly if Leeds score first, 
Um, mm. If Spurs score first, then they're just going to sit back and the game probably Such becomes boring. Set up shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if Leeds score first, we could be in for an exciting one. Um, yeah, Spurs, it's been disappointing at times. Uh, Kulisewski being back will be really key for them, I think, in this game. Just knitting everything together. I'm going to stay in harmony with you for this one. Let's go 3-2 to Spurs. Uh, I do think they give them a scare um, in, in terms of Leeds give Spurs a scare, but Spurs sort of see the game off and then hobble their way into um, the winter window and, and try and get uh, at least some centre-backs, some some more quality centre-backs in and maybe wing-backs gets addressed there. But Guy, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our halfway segment. And we are back. Now, Guy, we had some fearless Game Week 16 predictions at the beginning of the season. As I mentioned earlier, these were some of our fearless predictions, bold predictions of things or scenarios that we thought were going to happen by Game Week 16. Lo and behold, we are there. So we sort of need to check and, and see, hmm, how, how have we done? So I'm going to go with my ones first we can judge those and then we can move on to your ones now so for the three by game week 16 i said michael elisi will be leading the race for young player of the, the year that's not been the case and am i not mistaken in saying Haaland is probably still eligible for that, knowing how ridiculous the rules are in the Premier League with who is eligible and who isn't. I think Harry Kane's um, still eligible, isn't he? <laughs> probably, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, I think the injury to Alessi at the start of the season definitely didn't help. But in my defence, I do think he is starting to show, and I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that Palace are starting to play well now that he's sort of gotten his feet and fitness underneath him. I still think, maybe not by week 16, but I think second half of the season, he could have a strong showing if he stays fit. Uh, but I think that one's obviously going to be a, a, a failed prediction there. Um, my second one, Marco Silva will be fired. Now, <laughs> what a turnaround. What a turnaround by Marco Silva. Don't worry, my predictions get better, I promise. Uh, Marco Silva has been on fire. He hasn't been fired, but he's been on fire. They've played well. I've been very impressed with how aggressive and well-coached they've come into the league. So I'll hold my hand up and say, I did not see Fulham doing as well as I, as they're doing at the moment. And I'll dare anyone to to mention that they thought that Fulham will be ninth in the Premier League, 14, 15, 16 games into the season. I'm not buying it. Um, but yeah, Credit to him. Well played to him. He's not in danger of being fired anytime soon. My third prediction, by week 16, Cristiano Ronaldo will not be sold and Ronaldo will only have started eight games for Man United. Now, I'm looking at Ronaldo's stats. He started five games this season for Man United in the Premier League. I, I, I even said eight and I was very confident and bullish at the time that he wasn't going to reach there. And he hasn't reached there. Um, I got some pushback for that, but obviously that one is a big tick. Let's go with your three by Game Week 16, and then we'll talk about our two that we chose for end of the season and see if we want to walk any of those back. But um, you went with Sean Dyche will either be Wolves or Southampton manager. Now, I to your credit... I the club's right. Come on. This I was going to say, to your credit, both clubs did fire their managers. Um, Wolves have now got Lopetegui in so that rules that one out Southampton are still hunting at time of recording so you could sneak in there although his name hasn't been mentioned as mm -hmm. as any of the contenders but Mr. Nathan Jones if you're listening <laughs> do, do it a solid stay at Luton <laughs> but look I, I will give you credit for at least a shot of the teams that were going to need managers uh, Wolves and Southampton both letting their managers go. Then you said Frank Lampard will be fired by week 16. Mm. Uh, and we sort of had a debate of who would go first, either Silver or Frank Lampard. Neither have gone. Gerard has gone. Um, <sighs> I went the wrong one. So, I know. I know. Um, so, yeah, we, we both got those ones wrong. 
And then you said it would still be a three-horse race by game week 16. Now, I'm looking at the table. We've got Arsenal on 34 points, Man City on 32 points, Newcastle on 27. Are you bold enough to throw Newcastle in there and say it's, it's they're the third team in the three-horse race? For this argument, yes. <laughs> I'd throw a spur. I would say you're still in the race if you're under 10 points behind. Fair, because we saw what As, Liverpool yes. did last season. Especially at this stage of the season. If it was like yeah. April, I'd, I'd, I'd be, no, you're out of it. But I, I'd, I'd still, I'd say, I don't think they will, of course, but I'd, I'd say Tottenham upwards are still, I'm doing air quotes for the audio, <laughs> in the race. Yeah, and, and look, Newcastle could turn around in January and say, look how close we are, and just go absolutely mental. Killian, an awfully lovely this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> look, you don't even need to stay in the North. Stay in London, we'll fly you over. You could stay in Monaco. Every single you day for yeah. <laughs> that is very fair. Um, but yeah, look, I, I will, we'll see if the listeners will give that one to you. I, I do think that the financial power of Newcastle definitely makes it interesting because they could easily turn around and do a mad one in the transfer window. And all of a sudden we're talking about them as still being in the race. As you said, only seven points behind Arsenal. They've only lost one game this season, similar to Man City and Arsenal. So yeah, definitely interesting from that perspective. Now, so we'll give you what, two and a half, two, two, one and a half. One and a half out of three. Yeah. Um, will give me one out of three. Uh, not great there, but I think Olisi would have been in there if he wasn't injured. That's my excuse. Now let's go to our two that we said by the end of the season. I said Chelsea would not make top four. I, I'm feeling yeah. quite confident about yeah. that. I like um, it. That shot. And I said Wayne Rooney will be manager in the Premier League by the end of the season. Now, I probably then need your by game week 16 prediction to happen by the end of the season where Frank Lampard gets fired by Everton. And then the fans sort of call for Wayne Rooney and he comes flying back from from across the pond. But I'm still okay with that. I'm happy with the two that I've chosen and I, I think I'm going to stick with them. Um, you had Everton will be relegated and you had Brendan Rodgers would be fired. Now he danced. With that line for quite a few weeks, he tried to get fired. I, Lester, I think you, you had his ear. They could have just put out <laughs> like a GoFundMe, and they could have sacked him. But no, they kept fake with him. He definitely was dancing and flirting with that line. But Everton to be relegated, they 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 they've it's, got fourteen it's points. Turning. It's turning. They're two points above the relegation zone. Are you are you going to stick with both of those? Um. If I take off the Rogers one, I think I feel like it'll it will <laughs> happen. He'll return. <laughs> um, uh, I'll keep the Everton relegation one because I think I think Wolves will definitely improve because I think they'll just buy a striker in January and that will instantly improve them. <laughs> um, and Southampton, it depends. I'm, I, I'm not sure when Nathan Jones. Um, Forest, I think, I think are kind of too much of a mess, but I, I, I think they're certainly in the in the conversation um, to go down. Rogers sacked. I think he's turned it around. You know, I think he has. Yeah. I think he'll at least get. I think the season. Because if he gets sacked in the summer, that doesn't really count, does it? Nah. I think he'll at least get till the summer. I don't think he'll get sacked in the season unless they go on another bad spell. Um, interesting stuff. No, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I might change I, that one. Okay. Well, look, we you've got one more chance to change that one based on the rules from the beginning of the season. I think in around February is our last chance to to either lock them in officially or change them. But let's move on to the rest of the fixtures for this weekend because we got West Ham versus Leicester. Um, the aforementioned Brendan Rodgers taking his club to another manager that could be under the the, the the pressure of being sacked on the hot seat at the moment, David Moyes. Do, does David Moyes need to win this to keep his job at Leicester? Um, 
No, I don't think it's at that stage just yet. I think it'd kind of it'd kick up a big fuss if he got sacked. Um, I think they'll give him every opportunity to kind of turn it round. I do think it may get to a point though where they start thinking about it, but I think they'll they'll give him the the winter the World Cup break. Hopefully, the new lads settle a bit more. Um, Paqueta and Skamaka, um, most importantly. Um, but yeah, it's not been pretty by them. Um, no, I don't think he'll get. Do I think he'll get sacked? I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's weird because I think. I think Golden Sullivan won't, but that the Czech lad who I think he bought fifty one percent of the club or whatever it was last year, yeah. he might be mental. <laughs> so they might have a Czech, they might have a Czech manager by the end of the season. That's kind of how I'm feeling. I think it depends if that new owner's a bit. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, no, I'm not in the immediate. Maybe it, maybe if it continues after the World Cup break, but no. Um, in terms of the game though. I don't know. West Ham a sword. Where are Leicester? Leicester just look more competent, don't you know? I, mm, t- I, I've gone two-two. If that helps. Yeah, you. I, 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 I was I've, I've I was edging. Draw. I was edging towards Leicester. Two-two okay. on Leicester. Two okay. on Leicester. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um. And then we have a really, really tasty game. And as I said, uh, I hinted to the fact that I think if Newcastle are close, they might just because they're probably two seasons ahead of schedule. They oh, probably God, yeah. would have expected to get into Europa League, then maybe try and challenge for Champions League the next season. But they're in the race for the the title at the moment. Um, I don't know if they're strong favourites to be in the race, but they're in the race. And then they're also definitely you know in the race for for top four so a win here against the Chelsea side who is obviously a competitor for that top four place probably solidifies what has been a very very impressive first half of the season for Newcastle and as I mentioned probably gives them the emphasis to go and be bullish in the transfer market how important is this game I guess for the rest of the league (laughs) from that perspective but for both these teams chasing top four heading into a transfer window where they both could flex their muscles. I think it's more important for Chelsea. Um, I think Newcastle win, lose or draw, they're well above, like you said, they're well above where they expected to be. I think they'd probably be expecting to be, well, where maybe where Brighton are, maybe where Chelsea are um, in the Europa League or Conference League places. Um, but to be third... Um, no chance of going out the top four before the break. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying they'll take the foot off the gas by any means, but I think this is a, I, is it a must? It might be a must win for Chelsea this, you know, because that gap is building, and Chelsea. I, I'll go off topic, but I think the difference between Liverpool and Chelsea, obviously, we've seen this Liverpool team go on massive winning streaks, and it just does it. I have no confidence that they'll do it, but we've seen it. So it's still a possibility for them to get top four. Where if, I think if Chelsea dropped out, keep dropping down, it just doesn't, they don't seem to go on streaks. Maybe they'll go on undefeated streaks, but they won't go on winning streaks. Um, so maybe that's how I view it. But I think if Chelsea lose this and Tottenham win, and obviously Newcastle win in this scenario, to be eight points behind um, is a lot to overtake. Um in just over half a season. So, yeah, I think it's a, maybe a must-not-lose for Chelsea rather than a must-win. Um, do I have any confidence in Chelsea doing that? Not really. They were awful against Arsenal. That match was dreadful. Um, and I was only half paying attention. Got spanked by Brighton. <laughs> and I'd, I'd say I'd say Newcastle as long... Injuries is probably a good question for Newcastle. Um, Isaac... Jolington's back. Wilson came off as well. Um, he wasn't feeling too well. So if he's just ill, he should probably be back unless it's COVID or something. But they're getting... Yeah, it looks like they've got quite a few of the, the actual starting lads back, Wilson and Jolington. I think that'll just overpower them, you know? And I'm going to back Newcastle. 
I think the way Chelsea have been playing, it's been so passive and the midfield just doesn't work without well, without Kovacic and and another one. Obviously Kante's missed all this. I'll go Newcastle. I mean Almiron I'm not gonna t- I'm not putting him in my FPL today. <laughs> don't I'm not, don't I'm you dare. He's doing beautifully um, well for mine. Yeah. You stay away from him. I'm gonna go two nil Newcastle. Two nil. What an emphatic way for Newcastle to end a very impressive first half of the season. According to Guy Drinkle, look for me. Yeah, uh, I wasn't impressed with Chelsea from an attacking standpoint against Arsenal. I thought they looked flat. And I'm worried their energy levels aren't going to be able to match the energy levels that we've seen from Newcastle in this one. Um, I've got 2-0 here as well. Okay, let's just go. Let's let's stick. Let's be in harmony here. I've gone 2-0 for that one. Um, I'll go first for my scoreline for Wolves versus Arsenal. Arsenal are likely to not be top of the league by the time they play but this is this will be the third week in a row where they would be having to respond two weeks um they've responded we'll see if they respond against the Wolves side who welcome a new manager but have looked really poor this season I think more from a personnel perspective than necessarily from a tactical perspective they just don't have the firepower up front for them and Considering how solid Arsenal have looked this season, I give them the clean sheet in this one. So let's get that zero on there for Wolves. And then for Arsenal, I think they they want to end this first half of the season in a positive, emphatic way. They're going to match Man City's score prediction. Um, I'm going to go with a 3-0 Arsenal one. Yeah, I was thinking 2-0 Arsenal. I think defensively very strong. Saliba's, I think Saliba might be the front runner. With Haaland, if Haaland does count for Young Player of the Year. Um, just to go back to that point, um, I think Canate could get into there, just to add a Liverpool twang on it. Um, <laughs> but hey, ho, no, I'll go to the last. And the Wolves, um, even like Semedo getting sent off. Uh, is Costa still out? Oh, I say out. He's <laughs> suspended. Is he's suspended, yeah. He is suspended, of course. He's he suspended. wanted an early Christmas. Fair enough. He's probably already back in Brazil or something. He's the uh, Kevin Nolan of um, Wolves. Oh, Nolan used to always get a yeah. red card just before Christmas. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, they just have no goals at all. Like, even if they had Pedro Neto, who didn't look the same because he was coming back from injury, but yeah, they just they had nothing up top. And New and Arsenal are not have been probably a top three defence without looking at the goals against numbers. It's them and Newcastle are top one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2-0 two, two Arsenal. I think that might be a bit boring, that one. Fair enough. Look, um, it, it, the important thing for Arsenal in this one is just to get the win. Um, get 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 the points on the board. Stay top of the log to go into the, the winter break and, and leave on a very positive note. We move on to Brighton, who, similar to Arsenal, have had a far better season than people were expecting. They entertain the the a tad predictable team that we're rooting for for this season, Aston Villa. This has to be a conflict of interest for you because Brighton, you are very fond of, yes, and now you have to root for Aston Villa. So how how did you have to how did you tackle this game? Uh, unless it's Liverpool, I don't I don't go against my boys. <laughs> Brighton, it's my FM team oh, from brilliant. two years ago. Um, <laughs> we we move <laughs> the seagulls and all that jazz. Um, there's two things here. Brighton, even though they've switched manager, I think apart from maybe one game, they've still performed well. Maybe the result, it's Brighton. They've performed well, and the results haven't gone the way um, all the time. That's what they do. Unai Emery does not do away games. He got no. the big win. Is it going to carry over? Quite possibly. They might look more competent and stuff like that. But United... Where are United now? Although United are fifth, they're still a mess. I think most people would agree with that. Especially with um, Varane being injured. I think he's massively important. Maybe not from him himself, but just the fact that him being injured brings in Lindelof on Maguire. <laughs> um, but Varane is obviously important um, either way. Um I don't know what I'm talking about, Varane. Uh, but no, I I think it could be fun because I think Villa do have the attacking talent. It's just whether they click on the day and if Ollie Watkins can ever do a goal, 
but Bailey or Bailey is it Bailey? No, it is Bailey. I was getting him by for the wrong way around. Um, Bailey, he seems to have clicked a bit more now. He's playing on the left. Um, Watkins up front. I think Ramsey had more of a free roll, which I think suits him against United. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be. I think they're quite fun. I think they've sort. I think since Gerrard left, they've tried to fix the midfield structurally. Um, playing Douglas Louise and Den Duncan. I think Kamara came back last game, which will be big for them. But I'm going to back Brighton in this one. It just depends. Because Adam <laughs> Lallana had a good game, and that can't go on. Yeah. Maybe it's Dan, Danny Welbeck's due. Um, 2 1 Brighton. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You went with your heart there. I did. Um, look, if you're going to go with your heart, I'm going to go with my head. Because. They are the team for the podcast. I'm not going to predict them losing this game. They're on the up. Una Emery's army is marching, and they're going to march all the way to Brighton, and they're going to take all two points. I mean, all three points, because uh, I've got two goals for them. I've got the two-one in the opposite direction. I do think Bailey is playing with a lot more freedom, and he's got license to express himself. Ramsey is driving from midfield. These are the exciting players that I did want to see showcased by Aston Villa. And all that Emery seems to be doing is just playing players in the positions they should be playing in and letting them do what they're good at, which seems like it's a good way to manage, but it's maybe not done. so obvious for others. Um, we end off the first half of the Premier League season with Fulham versus Man United, a Fulham side that have been impressive this season. But I, I do think almost um, every Fulham fan looks at the week ahead and sort of is desperate for Mitrovic to be fine. And if he's fine, we've got a chance. Um, they certainly had a chance against Manchester City when Man City went down to 10 men. Man City just edging them, you know, with that last second penalty. And I, I saw Arsenal fans, you know, complaining and very angry about the decision at the time. And I guess as a Liverpool fan for you, you've kind of seen that for four seasons. This team is inevitable. No matter what you do, they're going to claw back at you. Um, and you have to be, you have to break records to be able to beat this Man City team. And to be fair to Arsenal, they're kind of doing that at the moment. So we'll see if they continue. But this is about Fulham. This is about Man United. Man United have gone on a decent run recently, bar that obviously um, Aston Villa lost that three-one Aston Villa lost. But they've been okay, guy. They've been okay under Ten Hag. Um, and I did find it funny the moment Ronaldo came back into the team, they get smashed. It's weird that. <laughs> um, it is strange. I think. Well, it's not strange about the Ronaldo thing because that's the most obvious thing in the world. Because why? Why would you make him captain when he what? He literally refused to play. <laughs> it's just it's so odd. It sounds like it seems like some stupid power player by Ten Hag, doesn't it? I know he's got limited yeah, options up there, but like, just make the hair captain. Just make. Just make Casemiro. I don't care if Casemiro's been there two minutes. He's, he's their best player by a mile. Um, or you just make Rashford captain, young boy. Uh, he'd probably mean more to him. Because I, don't, I won't go on about Ronaldo, I'll swear. Um, <laughs> but no, in this game, I think a lot of it does depend on Mitrovic being um, fit. Where does Serbia play? Serbia don't play till the 20th. Is that the first game? I'm talking to myself, I'm aware. He, they play relatively late in the first game, so they don't play till the 24th of November. So I think okay. they can get away with playing him, even if it is a tad riskier, and it's fine with them and Serbia. Because even if the game's kind of gone, they can just sub off Mitrovic because he has been, I think it's an ankle injury. And the first game's Brazil. Obviously, every game's an opportunity, but if they were, if they were to sacrifice one game it probably would be the Brazil game and then I think it's Switzerland who else is in their group Switzerland and Cameroon so that's probably the group of death um, off the top of my head I think Portugal have a hard one as well don't they actually um, but anywho yeah so I think you can almost risk Mitrovic without it being a moral decision of whether to risk his World Cup or whatever um, so yeah I want to see Martinez against Mitrovic I play Vinicius, uh, Carlos Vinicius as well, because he's a big lad. All the big lads. All of them. Um, uh, 
Is Andre is, is Pereira on loan or did they buy him permanently? That's probably. I think they bought him permanently. Yeah, so he's obviously been important as well. I think Fulham can hurt United, but at the same time, I think United can hurt Fulham. Although they do have a lot of. So Delo's missing, who's he seemingly hates Juan Basaka. Fernandez is back, who seemed to improve a wee bit. Sancho doesn't matter; he's been dreadful. Anthony's missing, who's been probably their better, one of their better players. Brandon Williams, he who shall not be named. Uh, Twans have even ran. I mentioned. I I think Fulham could win this, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. I don't think. Um, but the, do you know what this is? This is the game where Ronaldo either scores a hat trick or it literally starts scrapping all people. It's one of them, isn't it? It's where he gets his little stat. Yeah, he gets his little stat paddy game. And he's like, "Oh, he's back! He's the best player in the world again." No, whatever. yeah, I'm going to play it safe and be boring just to win for the last prediction. I'm going to go two all. Oh, oh! United fans would be happy with that one. Hmm. But we went. We mentioned it. For, you mentioned it on the Marco Silva, but. Fulham are good. They've given everyone a tough game, apart apart from, you know, I think someone battered them the other week. But the Liverpool tough game. I can't remember the City game, but I remember the Arsenal game. They give them a tough game. Um, yeah, they're just a horrid team to play against. I mean, they've got a couple defensive issues, which I think they may address in January. But going forward, I mean, they've done it without Harry Wilson, without Mona Solomon, who was one of their. I don't think he was a big signing because he was free or on loan, technically, but they've done it without probably the first-choice lads behind Mitrovic as well. So, yeah, Fulham have been impressive, but a draw against Fulham when you the way Man United are playing recently, I think that's a fine result, to be honest. Interesting stuff. Well, Guy, for me, I'm going to... <sighs> it is tough. It is tough. It is tough. I had one one written here, and I was trying to see if I should change it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns here. I'll end it with a one one draw. I do think Fulham are gonna make it tough for United, but I've, I've been okay with the United's defense recently. It's not great, but it's it's possible. The interesting thing, I guess, in this game will be Mitrovic versus uh, Martinez, and and whether or not he can handle them. Um, but apart from that, I. The midfield battle, you'd assume Casemiro will be able to control it, but Fulham are feisty. They've got a whole bunch of feisty Pauline players. That Pauline will... is class as well. He fair. really is. Really, really is. So, yeah, it, it, it could be an interesting game to end off um, to end off sort of this part of the season. But, yeah, I, I think a 1-1 draw to end it off. And that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable Guy. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, promote before we wrap up? Um, on the EPL side, uh, I obviously, well, do your job, but on a Friday with Dave. Um, so, yeah, for Dave's predictions, um, that'll be Friday, sure. Uh, b- 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 on Friday as well, I do the main pod over on AI. And it's a Sometimes it's a bit more general. So if you're a Liverpool fan, obviously check it out. If you're desperate for something or listening as a neutral, it probably you could probably get on board with it if you're desperate, but... We do, obviously, this will be the last game weekend, um, so it might be a bit Liverpool heavy. But in general, that's, uh, that can be a casual listen as well. But uh, yeah, they're probably my two for this week. Excellent stuff. Uh, guys, from my end, go ahead and check out all content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. We mentioned the Liverpool news, if you want to keep up with that go to the website um also go and check out the daily podcast show the two-footer podcast with dave hendrick finally also check out our flagship show it's the epl roundtable where kev devries sits down with panelists from respective epl teams they do reviews and previews of the happenings around the epl follow the show on the twitter page at a tad predictable um follow at epl index on twitter give us five stars write positive comments um on your podcast providers that stuff really, really goes a long way, and, and we do appreciate that. From an admin side of things for this podcast, um, obviously we'll have some shows during this sort of winter break 
of the, the Premier League season, but it, it does give us a chance and the, the, the people behind the scenes a chance to just refresh themselves, enjoy the World Cup and then get going again for the second half of the season. So obviously we've mentioned the, the, the main shows, the, the two-footed podcast, which comes out every day. Um, this, it's also on this channel. So go check that out for all of your content. If there are podcasts, we'll keep you posted on a tad predictable about if there are any that are going to be done before that 26th December uh, game week comes around. But yeah, for me, I'm probably going to hang up the gone fishing sign um, in, in, you know, and, and enjoy my playoff run into the American Football Fantasy Championship. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my team there. But I've been Sidi Otanikira. You can find me on Twitter at TadPredicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya and Jody McKinnis. It's at John Empire SA. Obi at Spursy141 for Jody for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, and he was in front of the mic today, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry. Chinoshua. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from you. Sports Social Podcast Network.